so um, this week, this week will be our final study or final look in Luke's gospel until January. Oh, oh, controversial. Um, Steve, whenever Steve is preaching next, will be uh, just giving us an overview of the first five chapters that we spent the whole year working through. And I do hope and pray it's been fruitful for you, as I know it has been for me in uh, preparing and studying, as I'm sure it has also been for the other elders. Uh, we've got, obviously, quite a busy church calendar coming up. We've got a harvest coming up, an opportunity for us to love the Lord's provision and just give him praise and thanks for all that he provides for us. We have our Mission Sunday, which was spoken about by Laura. Laura, um, this morning. Again, a wonderful opportunity for us to hear from those who are on the mission field, whether in the UK or over abroad wherever the Lord has led them to. We have dedications coming up. Wonderful opportunity for us to dedicate some new babies in the church to the Lord. And on that day, we'll have a lot of families coming in. So please keep your eye out for them and love them as we should do and, as, and live up to our name as uh, being the welcome church. And uh, before we know it, we will be very quickly running into Advent. Christmas is soon upon us. <laughs> sorry, sorry dear, sorry. Well today we are looking at a well-known story in the life and ministry of Jesus and the calling of his initial 12 apostles. Last Saturday we had the absolute privilege of watching our son get married. I don't feel old enough or we don't feel old enough but he, he was married last week and we just want to say a big thank you to all your prayers and your support for that. As you can imagine, we are incredibly proud parents. Two people, Jack and Naomi, had grown up together in the church where we used to attend. They went through kids' church, youth together, young adults, uh, became childhood sweethearts to the point where they just couldn't bear to be without each other and wanted to tie that knot before the Lord, which was a wonderful, wonderful thing. When I spoke to the pastor of the church, John, I, um, I, I asked him about the service. This was before the service. I said, so what's, what's the service? You know, what is it they're, they're aiming for during the service? And it was so encouraging to hear that the two primary things that they wanted focus was the gospel and Jesus. That, that in a lot of marriages these days, are not necessarily the focus. So I was really encouraged by that. And what a privilege that myself and Kelly have had. And uh, uh, what a blessing that we've had to be able to guide Jack on these last 20 years of his life up until this point. It wasn't always easy, as I'm sure parents here will know. It can be very difficult, many ups and downs, many tears, lots of frustrations, but also many times of deep conversation, many times of advice giving and prayer between us, support and love. But even more important was our privilege to show and teach Jack discipleship in the ways of the Lord. What, a, what an honour that's been. 
It's not easy. It's not easy. The world has many alluring pulls, does it not, for our youngsters. Many ups and downs. A lot of trying to keep on the right track. We, as parents, are most definitely not perfect in discipling our children. But I'm so glad that the Lord himself walked alongside us and made up for our failings. So privileged and honoured that he did that. Well, a day comes when we must let our children go and send them into the world to take all that you and I have taught our children, apply it to themselves in their life, and then to pass that on to their own families and to whoever the Lord may place in their paths. This is similar to the story of the 12 apostles. Remember, first and foremost, the 12 apostles were disciples. They were disciples sitting under the teaching and the guidance of their discipler, their teacher, Jesus. But a day came when Jesus brought them closer, these 12 closer to himself, equipped them, taught them, trained them before sending them out to fulfill a special task that Jesus had set for them. If you have your Bibles with you, please turn with me to Luke 6. Starting from verse 12 to 16. In these days, he went out to the mountain to pray. And all night he continued in prayer to God. And when the day came, he called his disciples and chose from them 12 whom he named apostles. Simon, who he named Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and James, and John, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and and Simon, who was called the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for the life that your word brings to us. Lord, I thank you for this journey that we have been on, looking at who you are, your mission and your ministry through Luke's account. And this morning, Lord, I pray that I become transparent and all we see in here is you. Amen. So the primary verse in our passage today, I would suggest to you, is, and when the day came, he called his disciples and chose from them 12 whom he named apostolos, apostles. We hear this word a lot, don't we? Apostles throughout the New Testament. Simon, Peter, Andrew, James and John, as John shared with us a few weeks ago, were called to follow. In Matthew we read, and he said to them, Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Again, in Matthew's gospel we read, and Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man 
called Matthew sitting in a tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed. Jesus would call many people to follow him throughout his earthly ministry. But to become a disciple of Jesus, that took something more than just being a follower. Discipleship was a life commitment. It would cost them dearly. And not every follower of Jesus could accept that and sign up to that fact. In Luke's Gospel we read, a large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, if you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everybody else, your father, your mother, your wife, your children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. But don't begin. Don't begin this journey of discipleship until you have counted the cost. Jesus then goes on to share two stories to give an example to his hearers of what counting the cost looks like before they signed up to committing to be a disciple of Jesus himself. And later on in the passage we read, Jesus says, you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. Everything you own. But even some who chose to surrender their life to being a disciple to Jesus, those who did give up everything to sit under his teaching, they still walked away. In John's Gospel, Jesus speaking about himself being the bread of life said these words, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise that person at the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. You've only got to read a few verses on. And his disciples turn around and say, this is very hard to understand, Lord. This is very hard. Who can accept it? This was his disciples saying this to him. Those who had accepted that call to discipleship, not just those who were just following because, you know, they like to see his miracles. These were people who had committed to him. This is hard Lord, who can accept this? And again, if you read just a mere few verses on, it says many of his disciples turned away and disowned him. They disowned him. 
Jesus did not hold back in explaining the cost involved in becoming his discipleship, a discipleship, disciple. It would be a tough life and the decision would not be taken lightly, but the reward was still worth the challenge. The reward was still worth it. And we read this. Again, in Matthew's Gospel, Peter asked Jesus, we have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? Jesus said to them, truly, I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones. There's a whole preach right in just those few words. Maybe for another day. You will sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. Jesus isn't, just want to clarify, he's not, he's not saying that just to, we've got, we just leave all of these people. The point he's trying to make is you've got to put me first above all of these others, above your parents, above your husband, your wife, your children, your neighbours. He must come first in your life. Above football, above pub, above ru rugby, above Formula One, whatever else it is that you are passionate about, he must come above those things, else they become your God. If you put more focus on them than him. Let me ask you this morning, had you counted the cost of discipleship? It's a word we throw around today, isn't it? Discipleship. But have you truly ever counted the cost of following Jesus? Are you willing to place Jesus first in all things? Are you willing to surrender all you have if he calls you to? Are you willing to face hardship and persecution? And ultimately, are you willing to lay down your life for him? As many, many, many Christians are right now around the world. We can fall into that trap, can't we, in the UK? It's too easy for us to worship God and be, and, be, uh, and be Christians and disciples. We rarely face persecution here, though it is here, and it will get worse. Yeah. Have you truly counted the cost? And are you willing to surrender yourself and put Jesus first? So Jesus has called all his disciples to himself. And out of these disciples, he calls 12 to be his apostles. 12 to be apostles. Firstly, it's worth noting that these 12 never stop being disciples. They will always be disciples. 
But Jesus commissioned them as apostles because he had a particular mission for them. The fact that Jesus chose them out of, out of so many disciples should give us a good indication as to the authority that these 12 would carry and have going forward. We saw the similarity, did we not, in when God gave Jesus his authority to fulfil the mission that Jesus was sent to fulfil on the earth. So what does apostle mean? Well, in the New Testament context, it's one sent out. It's one sent on a mission, a messenger, an envoy, one commissioned by someone to go and represent them. Jesus called these 12 close to himself in order to equip them and teach them with the sole purpose of sending them out on this mission that Jesus needed them to fulfill. But though we use the word apostle throughout the New Testament, it doesn't seem to follow a clear pattern. Its use is applied to different people interchangeably but it doesn't necessarily mean it always holds the same weight. Here's some examples. As we've just heard, Jesus' 12 were called apostles. Matthias was called an apostle. He replaced Judas in the 12 in the book of Acts. Jesus himself was called an apostle in Hebrews. Paul, of course we know, was called an apostle. But his travelling partner, Barnabas, was also called an apostle in Acts. James, Jesus' brother, was called an apostle. It's also applied to certain missionaries of the gospel, the 70 or 72, depending on which way you lie on that number. Those disciples Jesus sent before himself to prepare the towns for his arrival in Luke 10. Epaphroditus, Paul's messenger, in, in the Philippians letter was an apostle. The brothers mentioned as workers alongside Paul and Titus, they were all classed as sent ones from the root meaning of this word apostolos, apostle. But I think you can agree with me that though all of these people were titled apostle, messengers, sent one, representatives, they their apostleships are not equal in weight and responsibility. So why did Jesus set these particular men apart from all the other disciples and all the others who were referred to as messengers or apostles in the New Testament? They were set apart by Jesus and commissioned to establish and govern the birth of the early church under the headship of Jesus and they were given authority to speak and write the words given to him but given to them by God equal in authority to the Old Testament writers so what were the qualifications that set these men apart as these special 12 apostles that had this incredible mission to fulfill to establish the early church well let's look at it is Peter that sets the standard in Acts when they're looking at replacing Judas, the betrayer. Peter says this, 
So now we must choose a replacement for Judas from among the men who were with us the entire time we were traveling with the Lord Jesus. From the time he was baptized by John until the day that he was taken, up, taken from us. Whoever is chosen will join us as a witness of Jesus's resurrection. So they nominated two men, Jovis, Joseph called Barasabas, also known as Justice and Matthias. Then they all prayed, Lord, you know every heart. Show us which of these men you have chosen as an apostle to replace Judas in this ministry. For he has deserted us and gone where he belongs. Then they cast lots and Matthias was selected to become an apostle with the other 11. So in essence, within the uh, exclusivity of being an apostle in the early church, you must have been with Jesus for the whole three years of his ministry. You must have witnessed his baptism, heard Jesus' life-changing teaching, been present to see Jesus' healings and miracles, been a witness to Jesus' Jesus death on the cross and a witness to his resurrection. These were the pivotal facts, were they not, of Jesus' life and ministry, the heart of the message these apostles were to teach and pass on to others. It was important that they personally witnessed these events in order to verify the truth of the good news. Other qualifying examples throughout the New Testament give us insight. Though apostles outside the Twelve also exercised similar gifts. We read in Acts, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. In 2 Corinthians, the signs of the true apostle were performed among you with utmost patience, with signs and wonders and mighty works. So why 12? It's been debated that the number of the apostles that Jesus chose may have been more important than the individuals themselves. The number 12 may be more important in relevance than the actual people that he chose. 12 is a key number throughout the story of Israel. Jacob had 12 sons. Moses established 12 tribes. David established 12 territories. And it's been suggested by choosing 12, Jesus was signalling the beginning of the new Israel, the kingdom of God. We'll explore the meaning of the 12 in this context in the New Testament calling of the apostles at a later date. But for now, who were these 12 apostles? Who were they? These called out ones, these disciples set apart for apostleship, 
these 12 called to be uh, upon to establish and birth and govern the beginning of the church that we are part of today. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? I think it's, I think it's wonderful. This is all truth that we, speak, that, that we read in scripture. I love the fact 2,000 years on and we're still here in a church that these guys established under the power and guidance of the Holy Spirit. Amen. What a wonderful thing. So who were they? Simon Peter. He's a fisherman. First among the apostles, we read in Matthew. A pillar in the establishment of the early church and he is accredited to writing one and two Peter. The two letters. We've got Andrew. Peter's brother, who was also a fisherman. He was a disciple of John the Baptist before he became a disciple of Jesus. He was introduced, um, he introduced Peter and, the, and others in the New Testament to Jesus. So he was actually quite pivotal, Andrew, in supporting the gathering of these early disciples. James and John, the sons of thunder, Nickname given by Jesus. We're not sure why. Maybe due to their fiery temper, if you've followed their story at all. They did have a little bit of a fiery temper. Uh, both fishermen as well. Two of Jesus' closest friends, along with Peter. James, pretty much always mentioned with his brother in the Gospels. And he was the first apostle to be martyred. John is thought to be the disciple Jesus loved. He cared, sorry, he cared for Jesus' mother at that terrible time when Jesus went to the cross and was put to death. He's accredited to the Gospel of John, 1 and 3 John and Revelation, and he is nicknamed the Apostle of Love. And if you've read anything of John's letters, you'd understand why. Philip, well, not a lot is known about Philip. Philip was found and called personally by Jesus, which is an interesting fact. A lot of the others were called by other apostles, come and see, come, come and meet Jesus. But we read uh, in John that Jesus went and found and called Philip. Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector, I'm sure we all know that, accredited with writing the Gospel of Matthew, but surprisingly we know little else about Matthew. Thomas, not much is known about Thomas. He's only mentioned eight times in the New Testament. Four of those are in the lists of apostles. Bartholomew, James, Simon and Judas, the son of James, we just really do not know much about them. Bartholomew could be Nathaniel spoken of in John's Gospel. It has been said that Jude could also be Jesus' brother, again, as we can read in John's Gospel. There's lots of speculation, of course there is. But then finally, Judas Iscariot, the holder of the money bag, the finance man within the disciples, but as we know, he became 
poisoned, influenced by Satan, and he sold Jesus, which ultimately led to his death for 30 pieces of silver. He was replaced by Matthias. After James, the first of these special apostles, was martyred, we actually have no written account that he was replaced, nor do we have of any of the other 11. This would make sense as their mission of establishing the early church had been completed. Though that doesn't mean that apostles in the general sense ceased to be. Messengers, sent ones, envoys were still required to carry the message of the gospel and establish new churches in areas that did not have any. That continued. That's the heart of discipleship. If it didn't continue, after those initial 12 special apostles, we wouldn't be here today. With that in mind, there is a lot of debate about whether apostleship is still active. But let me ask you, are there still parts of the world today where the gospel of Jesus Christ hasn't been taken? We'd all say yes, wouldn't we? Are there still places where there is no church body represented? Well, yes. If there isn't, you know, if we know there are parts of the world where where the gospel hasn't been shared, then of course there wouldn't be a church there. There wouldn't be a church body there. Is the Spirit of God still active today? Of course it is. Of course it is. Is Matthew 28 still required to go into all the world, pass the teachings of Jesus on and make disciples in the world? Then why, why would the role of apostle in the general sense of the word have stopped and ceased? The 12, the special 12 apostles that Jesus called to himself and sent to establish the early church, of course that ceased. This church was established through them. But in the general sense of an apostle, someone with a message, someone being sent, a sent out one on a mission. God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating in various kinds of tongues, are all apostles, question mark? Are all prophets, question mark? Are all teachers, do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret, but earnestly desire the higher gifts? 1 Corinthians 28 to 29. The difference between the disciples and those who became apostles was the fact that they were chosen from other disciples and then sent on this incredible mission. While we are all called to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, not everyone is given the gift 
of a pusher ship. But I would suggest to you that some are, even today. Some may even be in this room. I think I would suggest to you the closest that we have maybe to what our understanding of an apostle today would be a missionary. Someone who, it's not their responsibility to establish the whole church. That's been done. But someone who goes on the mission field into an unreached place with the good news of Jesus Christ, not just to evangelise, but to establish a church in that place. To disciple people in that place. I would suggest to you maybe that's the closest we have. It's bam like to come up. In closing, what I find wonderful about these 12 special apostles set apart for this early church mission was they, they were not important people. They weren't important people in their world, in their life, in their society. They were just like you and me. Everyday people. Everyday jobs. They were just everyday citizens working hard, earning a wage to live. But when the call to follow came, they did. When the call to be a disciple of Jesus was asked of them, they surrendered. And when called to be an apostle, they went. Most of them were martyred. They absolutely understood the cost of this life that we all walk. The truth is that in many churches around the UK and around the world, we are filled with just followers. Just people who come to church on a Sunday morning to tick the box. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a, a shocking truth, but it is. I want to ask you today, if you just come to church on a Sunday, maybe that's all that you've done, what you were brought up to do, just to tick the box, but you, Monday to Saturday, you live your life as the world lives. I want to challenge you. Go to prayer, consider the cost of becoming a disciple. But understand the cost. You are dedicating your whole life, your whole being, everything you have to the one cause, and that is to Jesus, to his message, his word, and whatever he calls you to do in the world, wherever in the world that may be. Be willing and ready to surrender and say, here I am, Lord, send me. Whatever the consequence. But weigh up the cost before you make that decision. There are some of you here who are, I, I know, I know who are just so dedicated. Dedicated 
their life to a discipleship of Jesus, dedicated to sharing that wherever they are, wherever they're doing, I challenge you also. Have you prayed for the high gifts? Have you prayed to see if the Lord is calling you? Maybe even to take a step of faith and go to a part of the world where the gospel hasn't been shared. To be an apostle in the wider sense of the word, a sent one, a messenger of Jesus, to teach, disciple and establish a church in that environment. I challenge you to pray about it. Because we need them. As we need many of the other gifts to be exercised in the world. Let us not be comfortable. We don't ever want to be comfortable in our faith. We always want to be challenged. Jesus didn't live a comfortable life. His disciples never lived a comfortable life. You've only got to read church history and you know they didn't have a comfortable life. The ones that did, well, maybe you could question the life they were leading. This is hard work, but the rewards, the reward is so worth it. Eternity with God, eternity walking with Jesus. Is there, any, is there anything more beautiful than that? But it's not just eternity, he promises to walk with us today. He promises to walk with us every day, every moment through the good and the bad. The hope we have in him, the assurance my gosh, I could go on and on and on about the wonderful things it is to walk with Jesus, but time does not permit today. So I will wrap this up. But church, I pray, look at yourselves. No one else can tell you where you are with the Lord. Only you and the Lord know that. But look at yourself. If you're a follower, I pray and I encourage you, consider discipleship and throw yourself headfirst into it. If you are absolutely dedicated to Jesus, your whole being, your every life, Monday to Sunday, then I consider, uh, I ask you to consider and pray to the Lord what else he may have for you to do. But weigh out the costs. Amen? Amen. Uh, Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this wish-all-stop tour around the disciples that you called during your mission on the earth. Lord, I thank you that the, these 12 that you called and all the others that followed, they were just everyday people like you and me. They weren't kings. They weren't, they weren't high-profile uh, people. They were just everyday, ordinary citizens. That gives us hope. What a wonderful thing that is, Lord. But I pray in this room, I pray, Lord, that you send your spirit to challenge the hearts of us all. If we are just followers, if we do just tick the box, if we, if we don't live a life 
that represents you in our actions and in our words. Lord, I pray that you challenge us. You challenge us to count the cost of discipleship and not be fearful of that because you sent your helper to help us. But to step out in faith and say, Lord, I am all yours. Wherever you want me, whatever you need, I am here. Whatever the dangers, whatever the toil, I'm here. But Lord, you say in your word for us to pray for the higher gifts. And the first you mention, Lord, is, is this general sense of apostolos, a messenger, an envoy, someone willing to go out to where the gospel, your word, has never ever been preached or taught and to share whatever the danger. So Lord, I just pray that you prick all of our hearts and that this afternoon we might just take a moment to pause and come before you and ask you, Lord, what it is that you require of us. Bless us all as we bring this service to a close. Stay close to us all, Lord. In your son's name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.